0: You may be seated. Open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 66. We're going to tie up some loose ends on our series, Your Wealthy Place. Most likely end it today because next Sunday you're in for a real treat. Brenda's got something burning in her spirit that the Lord just dropped in her heart. A great Christmas message. So you're going to want to make sure that you invite some friends or relatives because it will not only be pertinent to you, but it will also be pertinent to the people around you. So make sure you mark that down. Get here and be blessed. In Psalm 66, we look at verse 12, I believe it is, how that the Word of God says that we've been through some things, but thank God, God has brought us into a wealthy place. Say it with me, a wealthy place. We've also discovered in our little series here that the Lord has been mindful of us And because we are on his mind, one of the things that's on the Lord's mind for you is to increase you more and more. And we've looked at several scriptures along the lines of increase. But I want to get right to today's message because it's very important um, that we understand how that God gets his vision into us. Well, we've already discussed that, number one, he gets his vision into us through the word of God. Amen? Thank God for the Word of God. But then, he gets his vision into us by the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, and we're going to look at, uh, I believe it's verse 13 through 15 in the Amplified Version, it talks about the Holy Spirit's place in our lives. That is, if we will give him place. One preacher said that Holy Ghost, in an old manuscript, literally... One translation was Holy Guest. He is your Holy Guest, and He lives on the inside of you. And He has some things to communicate with you. Amen. Amen. So in John chapter 16, if we could pull that up in verse 13 through 15. Of course, it talks about the Spirit of God. That when He comes, He'll guide you unto all the truth, the full truth. He won't speak of His own message or on His own authority. But he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will, I like this, announce and declare to you the things that are to come and that will happen in the future. What a blessing to have a guide on the inside. Let's look at the next verse, verse 14. He will honor and glorify me because he will take up, receive, draw upon what is mine, and he will reveal, declare disclose and transmit it to you. Thank God. He's revealing, he's declaring, he's disclosing, and he's transmitting wonderful things to your life and to your heart. Now verse, verse 15, read it with me. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is why I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit them to you. Wonderful. Now, the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus Christ, He never did anything apart from His Father. As a matter of fact, Jesus Himself had received the Holy Spirit. And He was empowered by the Holy Spirit when He went into Galilee. And when he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, he was anointed by God. Amen. Amen. And so the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And, you know, Philip came to him one day and he said, Show us the Father. And Jesus basically said to him, He that has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, whatever I see the Father do, Whatever is revealed to me, disclosed to me, and announced to me by my Father, that and that only will I do. You know, a good confession for you to make right now, I think, about this time is, I always do do those things things that are pleasing in His sight. sight. Now, quickly go over to John chapter 5, because we're heading into some new territory this morning, something that I want to get over to you. Uh, something that I believe will bless your life. But let's look at John, the fifth chapter. And we notice something over here in... Uh, oh, let's take a look at it and see exactly where it is what it is. John chapter 5 and verse 16. And I'm going to read uh, right on through verse 19. And this will uh, solidify, if you will, or pound in the fact... That when Jesus saw the father do something, then he was able to do it. In other words, that's what gave him vision. And the same spirit that was on Jesus will give you vision. In John 15:16, it says, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus. And they sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Of course, they were upset because there was a healing that took place. But Jesus answered them and said, My Father works hitherto, and so I work. In other words, where my Father's working, I'm working. Amen. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Because I've seen the Father do it, therefore I was able to do it. He's doing the work, and I'm just following suit. Hallelujah! Amen. He said, Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him Because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making him equal to God. I mean, that really got him graded, didn't it? Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Have you found out that you can't do anything in and of yourself? But, now notice... What he sees the Father do. So seeing has to do with vision. For what things soever he does, this is what I as the Son will also do. Very, very important that Jesus did not function independently of his Father. If he could see the Father do it, he did it. We've been talking a little bit about hearing and seeing and doing. If you can hear from God and see the Spirit's leading that comes from the Father above, you'll be able to do it. I want to encourage you, don't try to step out and do something that you haven't seen on the inside. Don't try to step out and do something that does not originate from your Father and from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now notice with me in verse 20. It says, for the father loves the son and showeth him all things. Now say this with me, my father, father, he he loves me and he shows me exactly what I need to see. He tells me exactly what I need to hear. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself doeth, and He will even show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. Did you know, my dear brothers and sisters, that we're supposed to be seeing something all the time? We serve a God that will show us things. Amen? And so, if you can see it, you can do it. If you can behold it, You can become it. And so I encourage you to spend much time in communion with this third person of the Godhead. Take time praying in the Holy Spirit. Take time praising at the throne of grace. Take time being still on your bed and know that you know that He is God. And know that you know that He's leading you. And know that you know that He's showing you things to do. And when you see it, praise God. By the grace of God, you can do it. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. Somebody shout amen. 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 So in verse 30, let's drop down there real quickly now. He says, I can of my own self do nada. Nada is in Espanol, nothing. I can't do anything of my own self. But as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I don't seek my own, but I seek the will of him that sent me. Say it with me if I can see it. I can do it. Hallelujah. Now let's take this series just a a step further. Let's go into an area that I think is really, really important. Look with me over to Acts chapter 17. And we'll notice in verse 26 something. And we're just reviewing some things that we said on Wednesday night. If you want to get more in-depth on the things that I'm saying, make sure that you uh, download or get Wednesday evening service. In Acts 17 and in verse 26... I want to say this, that God's got a wealthy place. And within this wealthy place, you have a God-ordained place of God's grace where you will fit and where you will flourish. Where you will fit and you will flourish. How many of you know we were not just born at any time? We were born when God had us to be born. And you are not a mistake. I believe with all of my heart that our times are predetermined and they are predestinated. Now notice this in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 in the Amplified. Read it with me, please. And he made from one common origin, one source, one blood, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time And the fixed boundaries of their habitations, their settlements, their lands. Now, is that clear or is that clear? Our times and our places are predetermined. Now, the Hebrew word for the word place or the Greek word for the word place there carries with it this thought. It carries with it the thought of Location or spot but it also means a condition listen very carefully God has a wealthy location and a wealthy condition for you while you're in and fitting and flourishing in your wealthy place yeah. Yeah. Woo, glory to God yeah. Yeah. say it with me my God got a wealthy location for me me. and and also a wealthy condition and so there is a location and there is a condition where you will excel and when you find that place it is only in that place that you will be in position to really prosper I mean to really prosper, and I mean to have life and having an abundance to the full until it overflows. Amen. You don't need to turn there, but let me just quote it to you. In Ephesians 2:10, the Bible says that we're His workmanship, and that God has foreordained paths which He has prepared ahead of time for you, that you and I should walk in them. Living the good life, which he has prearranged and made ready for you to live. Now, I think that one of the greatest examples that we can look at in the short amount of time, really, that we have this morning before we receive communion. I think one of the greatest examples we could look at about this wealthy place is our father Abraham. And so let's take, for the balance of this time this morning, let's talk about Abraham. Turn back with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis, the 12th chapter. So are you convinced that God's got a wealthy place? Hallelujah. And God will place you in that place. God will put you in the right place. He'll make it very clear to you where you should be. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. So Abraham obviously had to step out before he would be shown exactly where to go. But did he have the word of God on it to leave? So he heard from God. And so then he was able to step out by faith and step out by obedience. Amen. Amen. And he trusted God to the degree that God would show him what he needed to see at the right time. Amen. Now, in verse two, this is an awesome verse of scripture. He said, and I will make of thee. You will not have to make yourself, but I'm going to make you. I'm going to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Woo! Glory to God. Don't you just love that about God? He's the God of promotion. He's the God of increase. He's the God of abundance. He said, I'm going to make you. Brother and sister, when God makes you, you You're made. you got it made. <laughs> just, I'm going to make thee. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you a great nation because I'm a great God. And I'm going to bless thee. And I'm going to make your name great, Abram. And thou shalt be a blessing. He said, I'm going to bless you. And through this blessing, when you are in this wealthy place, you shall be a blessing and you will be a dispenser of good to other people. My prayer in my life is that I would be a dispenser of good to God's people. My prayer for this church is that we would be dispensing good to one another and to our community and to the world in which we live. And it is only possible by the blessing. You see, this blessing that God is talking to us about, this blessing is a place. In order to be a blessing, you've got to be in the right place. I'm talking about in the right place in your attitudes. You've got to be in the right place in your heart. And you certainly have to be in the right place in the local church. In the right place, serving with the grace gifts that God has deposited on the inside of you. In other words, your heart's got to be right. It's got to be in the right place. Being in the right place is the blessing place. It's the wealthy place. It's the springboard for glory and the springboard for increase. Mm, mm, mm. Genesis chapter 22. Now we know that Abraham obeyed the Lord and then came the big test. Say it with me, the big test. (laughs) There's always a big test, is there not? And so in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass... After these things, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Now mark this down that when the test comes from God, it's never a test to bring you down. The tests that come from the enemy are temptations and tests and trials to bog you down, to bum you out, and to cause you to walk in defeat. But the tests that God gives are not a solicitation for you to fail. The test that God gives is a solicitation for you to obey. You know, the bottom line is this. God sees you and he knows how he made you. And he didn't make you junk. You are created in Christ Jesus and you are made of the right stuff. I'm made of the right stuff. I got the right stuff on the inside of me, and so do you. Yeah. And God believes that you will, he, you will take what you have on the inside, and you will step out and obey and pass every test of obedience. Amen. Yes, he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Because the Bible does say, if you're a willing and a... Yeah. Come on now, help a preacher out at 948... Come on, somebody. Amen. If you've been willing and come on now, you shall what? You shall eat the good of the land. And in eating the good of the land, you'll share it with others, too. If you obey me and serve me, you'll spend your days in pleasure and your years in prosperity. That's Job thirty-six, eleven. I misquoted it, but look it up later. Hallelujah. I want to take a praise break right now. Woo. Glory. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Amen. Will God test us today? Yes, he will. Will God stretch us today? Yes, he will. And he said in verse two, take your son, thy only son. Well, our father only had one son, Isaac, whom you loved. Don't you know that Abraham loved his son? And I want you to go to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt sacrifice upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Here's another step of obedience that he had to take. You know that Abraham had to surrender his all to the Lord. Abraham did not live by the cafeteria plan that a lot of Christians live in today. Taking the best parts and taking this and taking that. No, Abraham was surrendered. Because you see in verse 4, and Abraham rose up early. He rose up early. He got up and he got after it. Saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, enclaved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to this and saw the what? The what did he see? He saw the place. What are we talking about? We're talking about your wealthy place. Here was a big test. And he saw the place. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will yonder, go yonder, and we will worship and come again to you. Was Abraham a man of faith? Abraham was a friend of God. He knew that God would not let him down. He trusted God so much that if God had to raise Isaac from the dead... He would do it. And yet it was still a test of his faith. Hallelujah. So he took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father! And he said, Here am I, my son. And behold, he said, Here's the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb? for a burnt offering. Perfectly legitimate question. Lord, what's going on? Dad, what's going on here? Now notice this. In verse 8, I want you to read this with me. Are you ready? Let's read it together. And Abraham said, stop right there. How do you release your faith? How do you release your faith? I and my son will worship, we will come again. He believed it. He said it. And Abraham said, in other words, Abraham, the father of faith, is giving us a lesson of faith and how you must conduct yourself in the midst of a test. Because sometimes the test will point you to failure. But Abraham said, My God, my son. God will provide. Who glory? God will provide. What do you say when it's the end of the month and there's more month than there is money? My God, my God, come on, somebody! My God, He will provide. Hallelujah. What do you say when your kids want to go to college and you don't have a nickel in savings? What do you say? Come on, somebody. My God. What do you say when the cupboards are empty and it's Thanksgiving Day? What do you say when the doctor comes back with a bad report? My God. My God. God shall supply. Is he your God? He's the same God that led Abraham. He's the same God that split the Red Sea. He's the same God that was in the shout at Jericho's walls. He was the same. He's the same God that raised Jesus from the dead. And he's the same God that will put bread and butter on your table. Cause your mortgage to be paid in full. See to it that your baby's needs are met. My God will provide. Well, I just had to preach there for a minute. So he said, my God, it will provide. And we see here that he did. And here's a word picture. A futuristic picture, if you will. A prophetic picture. My God will provide himself a lamb. Behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Verse 9. And they came to the place, to the place, to the place. Which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. And laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son. And laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. And took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. And said Abraham Abraham. And he said I'm right here. I'm sure. That he had his attention. He said don't lay your hand upon the lad. Don't do him any harm. For I know. That you fear God. You've passed the test. Seen that you have not withheld thy son. Thine only son. God saw that he was serious. And he would have carried it out. And Abraham lifted up his eyes. How many of you know during a test, temptation and a trial. Even the test of obedience. You got to lift up your eyes. Come on somebody. You got to keep your eyes on him. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. Come on, somebody shout with me. What do you suppose that ram was doing about 5 a.m.? The Bible says Abraham rose up early, and all of a sudden the ram woke up. And that ram is directed right, goes right for a while. Then that ram is directed toward the mountain. And then that ram gets caught up in a thicket trying to gnaw some bush. God said, Abe, here he is. The lamb, the ram. And so Abraham was happy. Wouldn't you have been happy? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Abraham, now listen, I want you to see this. This is a good take home for you. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. as it is seen to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Now, I like what the New King James Version says. So let's, let's put Genesis 22, verse 14 up here in the New King James Version. What was the name of the place? The name of the place was what? What does Jehovah Jireh mean? The Lord will provide. Now, read the New King James Version with me. Ready, please read. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord. What if he he had not been in the right place? Would there have been provision? Do you see how important it was for Abraham to be in the right place for Jehovah Jireh to show up? People can make confessions all day long till they're blue in the face, pray in tongues all day long, but if they're not in the right place with God mm-hmm. and they're not in the right place where God has them and they know that they're not, yeah. all of their faith and all their praying is to no avail. It's true. Absolutely. Everyone say, pro-vision. Pro. Vision. Now the word pro means before and the word vision means seeing provision before seeing in other words what this is saying is the lord always sees before he saw before abraham's need listen he sees way before your need before your need ever shows up (laughs) come on He sees it, but then he sets it in motion. Why? Because he is your provider. And when we're in his wealthy place that God has called us to be, amen, we are in our place of provision. So it really wasn't just that God was Jehovah Jireh. The place was. The place is. The place is. I try to make sure in my life that my heart is in the right place. You know, there's, there, there are so many things that, that, that can come against your flesh and that can grind your flesh. There's so many things in life and so many curves that can be thrown at you that it would so, be so easy to get bitter so easy to to get a, a spirit of unforgiveness in your heart. You know what I'm saying? And so when we get into bitterness and when we get into unforgiveness, when we get to a place where we're holding a grudge, we have gotten out of our wealthy place. But you can get back in your wealthy place as quick as you got out of your wealthy place. Amen. And so... Oftentimes what I'll do at home is I'll have communion and I'll do not only a checkup from the neck up. What does a checkup from the neck up mean? A checkup from the neck up would be what kind of attitudes are you displaying? What kind of attitudes are you displaying toward your wife? What kind of attitudes are you displaying toward the people around you, your staff? What What kind of spirit are you conducting yourself in? Are you a bummer to be around? Or do people just flock to you because there's an irresistible love and presence on you that draws people to Christ? All of us have gotten out of our wealthy place from the neck up. But you know what? The good news is, if you got out of it temporarily, you can get back in it just like Listen, your wealthy place is a place of faith, isn't it? Yes, it is. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It says we'll walk by faith and not by sight. We have the shield of faith wherewith we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen? We walk by, we talk by, we see by, we rejoice by what? Faith, faith is a way of life. Yeah. So, what is it that tries to pull us out of faith? It's fear. Yeah, that's right. You've yielded to fear. I've yielded to fear. We've all yielded to fear. No sense of talking about it. But fear is a dark place and it's a lonely place and it's a scary place for you to live. The Bible says that we live by faith, not live by fear. So if you've yielded to fear, you've you've allowed some things to kind of get into the city of your soul. Some imaginations and suggestions of the enemy trying to pull you down. You can get right back into faith. I know you can. Because I've done it hundreds of times. (laughs) I've done it hundreds of times. When there's this battle raging in the soul, you have a choice to make. You can choose life. You can choose God. You can choose the anointed one. You can choose your wealthy place. Come on, somebody. Amen. And in this season, Brenda and I were talking about this yesterday at breakfast or lunch or whatever. I've got such a great wife. I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She's getting a little tired of it, so I'm going to take her out for lunch today. But she made me a breakfast burrito today. That's why I'm preaching half so good. What's that got to do with the message? Absolutely everything. (laughs) Absolutely everything. The Lord will provide. (laughs) What if I hadn't gone to Ramah? Oh, Lord Jesus. So, we were talking about this at one of our meals recently, and I said, help me out with some of this on this wealthy place. And uh, she did. Um, To enjoy our wealthy place, we must make sure that I've said it. Our heart's in the right place, that there's no bitterness. To enjoy our wealthy place, make sure that we're not spiritually lukewarm or spiritually cold, but that we stay stirred up. We stay in the Word, we stay in prayer, we stay in fellowship. Things we know to do, we stay in church. Amen. Amen. But then one of the things we talked about was this. Make sure that your heart is in the right place when it comes to To your giving. Especially this time of year. How many of you know you can go through the motions in giving? Oh, time to give again. Okay, here's my check. What's next? How many of you know God sees your heart? And your family and your friends can really sense when your heart is in your giving. See, going through the motions is not part of our wealthy place. But having a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it spirit of giving, it makes all the difference. So communion is a time of adjustment. We're not here pointing any fingers at anybody. But I think at the top of this month, as we conclude this little series we've had on our wealthy place, let's make sure... We're in our right place. Make sure we're in the right church. Let, let's make sure we're, we're serving in the local church. Yeah. Let, let's make sure that we're in the right place with our gifts of grace. But let's make sure our heart is in the right place. That our relationships are in the right place. The Bible says that each of one of you, as you made up your mind and purpose in your heart, to give not sorrowfully or reluctantly or under compulsion... Because my God, who provides, takes pleasure in and prizes above all other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful prompt to do it, giver. Amen. Did you get anything out of this series? Let's lift our hands and thank Him for the word we've heard today. Father, thank you so much. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I did in about... 36 minutes, what really could have taken two hours. But thank God I believe you got something. You got the gist of the message, right? Meditate on these things. Give yourself to them. And your profiting will surely appear to all people.